Hello and welcome to Blue Rossi, a London's Blue podcast dedicated to the Chelsea women's team. I'm your host, Jess Mark Humphreys, joined by Abdullah Abdullah, who travelled all the way from Dubai to go to the only game in the past three years at King's Meadow that Chelsea have lost. How are you feeling, my man? This might be on you. This might I be your fault. <laughs> literally got like three text messages last night going, this is your, like, so great. They haven't lost in three years and you show up and they suddenly lose, like, this is you. I'm like, it's not me. How is it me? Were you uh, secretly at that Brighton game in 2021 and you just <laughs> didn't tell us? Yeah, yeah. I just I just literally got to Brighton now. I'm not going to tell anybody to hide <laughs> in the crowd as a Brighton fan. And I'm just gonna go. No, it was um it was a game. It was definitely a game. Um but great fun overall. Really enjoyed just being in the atmosphere and the crowd and kind of getting the taste of what it is to watch Chelsea live. So kind of got that. And it's a different vantage point, obviously, when you're watching it. At the, I mean, it's I've been to stadiums where I'm slightly higher up. There's a much lower stadium. It's like literally like almost like one and a half tiers. And uh, so you kind of see everything a little bit differently. But it is a whole different experience watching it like in front of you and kind of seeing what they're doing versus um, elsewhere. And I have to say, my goodness, the sizes of some of these players on TV versus in real life. It just blew my mind. Like, Bunny Shaw is massive. I didn't realize how big she was until she was running in front of me. I went, she's a tank. She's literally a beast. What? Is, like, I can see why nobody can, can push her off the ball. She's huge. And then Jess Park is equally the other way, tiny. Like, I didn't realize how small Jess Park was. And then Myra, again, same thing, just another massive tank up front. So I was just like... My mind was blown by just looking at these players and going, and Neve Charles is tall. I didn't realize how tall she was. And I was like, what? So <laughs> I was more blown away by the sizes of all these players more than anything else. So that was that was pretty insane. I feel like Manchester City are like the best team to experience that because, yeah, you've got the build of Buddy Shaw, who is just absolutely massive and so, so tall and so obviously strong. And then you've got Yui Hasegawa, you've got yeah. Jess Park, who are so tiny. It's like the real like duality of womanhood. Um, Neve Charles, I will never forget. It was the Conti Cup final against Man City when she walked out. And I was like, wait, Neve Charles has got hench. And like she just yes, went through this yes, moment where she got yes. really hench. But I think, yeah, because she's really tall. She she is quite built now. Yeah, she it's a, yeah, she went in. I wanna I wanna go work out with Bunny Shauna. Like I wanna hit the gym with Bunny Shaw. Like I wanna do what she's doing. This is insane. That would be fun. Um maybe we should just make this whole episode talking about what we thought the first time we saw players in real life. I'm done. Rather than <laughs> rather than talking about the game because Chelsea did lose. Um Bunny Shaw scored in the fourteenth minute to give Man City a one nil winner. We are going to have a chat through the game. We'll talk a little bit about where it stands for the title race. And we will talk as well at the end about the Sonia Bompastor links because we didn't have a midweek show. Um, so I know we've not gone through that yet. But Abdullah, moving away from the height of the players, what were your sort of general thoughts on this game? Because I've got to be honest. My noggin is pretty boiled from this badge. I don't know why... I think it's really frustrating because I thought we were simultaneously bad and not bad. And I don't like that. I felt like after the Arsenal game, I was just like, oh, we were bad. But after this game, I was like, I don't know how bad we were, but I never felt like we were really going to score. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same-ish camp where I'm like, we were like, the first half we were just bad. Like, I, I just want to go out and say we were just bad in the first half. There was no... 
energy, like the way City were pressing and moving. I felt like the first two minutes, like Leupold's and Aaron were like great. And then as soon as Aaron lost the ball, like five, ten minutes later, it's like they were just devoid of confidence. And every player was kind of kind of all over the place. I just didn't didn't the first half it didn't seem like a plan. Kirby and Wrighton randomly switching wings, which really wasn't necessary. Um, there was no confidence in midfield. It, Myra kept feeling a bit isolated. Lauren kind of trying to do things on her own. And like, while individually and maybe in moments and pockets, like you said, we were actually good at maybe in some part of transition of getting it into the final third. But it was at the same time, you just felt like we were not going to create any chances. Like I didn't feel in any moment that there was anybody there that was going to create something. Whereas on the other side, the minute City picked up the ball, you almost felt like they were going to make something out of nothing, whether it was Jess Park picking up the ball, whether it was going to Casper, who was going to spray something, or Kelly. or like, Whenever Hemp and Kelly got the ball, I was literally like, they're just going to run past. They're just going to go and get across, and they're just going to go and do something. We'll get into this a little bit later, but like I feel like the main differences were just you know, City being able to create chances one every two or three moments, where Chelsea were maybe one every five. And that was the problem. And there were just too many individual individual performances that just weren't up to scratch that kind of allowed City the game. And so, yeah, you're right. City played well, but also there's an element of we let them play a bit too well for me. Yeah, I also think definitely towards the end of the game, sort of the last 20, 25 minutes, City... They didn't ride their luck, but they chose to sit back yeah. and they chose to defend. And I think in another game, you Chelsea maybe score and you're sitting there saying, oh, well, so stupid a City to like basically almost give up because that is kind of what they ended up doing. And I don't know how much to read on that in terms of City feeling confident they could defend, whether you're like, well, no, Chelsea pressured them into that. Maybe talk a bit about that as we get on. Um, let's go through the lineups then. I think. Chelsea's lineup was pretty expected in the end. I'm pretty sure this is basically exactly what we ran through over dinner before the game at yeah. Abdullah. Um, we spoke about Frank Kirby potentially starting. Um, I kind of thought she might start just ahead of LJ uh, in the 10. Instead, we got LJ in the 10 and Kirby out wide instead of Johanna Ritikanroid. Otherwise, very familiar. So Hampton in goal, Carter Bjorn, centre-backs, Charles and Lawrence as the full-backs, Lloyd and Cuthbert in the double pivot, Ryerson on the left, Ramirez up top, and then, yeah, Kirby on the right, LJ in the 10. Um, what did you make of that decision? When Kirby was on the team sheet, were you expecting her to be the one out wide? Because I just thought the opportunity for James to run at Leila Wahabi was, would have been great. Although, actually, when it happened later in the game, it wasn't that great. <laughs> Yeah, no, you're right. No, I think I think I, I think I was for me, I wanted it the way it did pan out where James in the ten and maybe Kirby out wide, mainly because if you're gonna show I mean, obviously James can do this probably even at a better level, but I felt like occupying James as a ten in front of uh Greenwood and Alexandria and maybe just, you know, Lauren versus Yui, I thought would have been a like a better matchup. And then you just allow Fran every space to get up against Layla. And if you just show show her on the inside for me, then that becomes a lot more uh, of a dangerous proposition because that drags Alex Greenwood out to have to help later and that gives more space for Lauren to do her thing in, in central areas. So I actually wanted this sort of lineup in terms of when I saw Kirby, I wanted her on the right. But yeah, otherwise, pretty standard. Um, everything else, yeah, we we uh, we discussed before the game pretty much. You know, the only thing was Lawrence versus Paris A, but then we had a feeling Lawrence was going to start. Uh, I, I, yeah, so probably the rest of the team was pretty standard, but yeah, it was just very surprising. 
Yeah, um, I'll just run through the City team as well. So they had Keating in goal, Greenwood and Light, Alexandria as their centre-backs, uh, Lelo Harvey on the left, Kushman Kashbarai on the right, Yu Hasegawa as at the base of the midfield with Laura Coombs as their left central midfielder and Jess Park as their right side of central midfielder, Hemp on the left, Kelly on the right and Bunny Shaw up top. I think it's worth going through the stats because, again, it's quite interesting. I feel like you can't read the whole game off the stats but equally at the same time, I think they show that Chelsea weren't outclassed in a lot of ways or they weren't like dominated. I do I do think like even though maybe that's because City like let Chelsea come onto them. It didn't feel like it just didn't feel like the Arsenal game in the same way to me. Um but seventeen shots for Chelsea, twelve for Manchester City, six on target for Chelsea, five for City. Chelsea has sixty one percent possession, which against the Manchester City team is like bonkers. Um, interestingly, this is the one that really stood out to me, Abdullah. 529 passes for us, 81% of which are accurate. Th 355 for them, 76% that were accurate. And I feel like if you ask people after that game who had the better game in terms of like passing accuracy, people wouldn't have said Chelsea. Yeah, not at all. I agree with you. I thought I thought um City were just in in from from the eye test, they just felt a lot more fluid, a lot more like their passes were being um we're being we're being kept a bit better. Um, I, I don't know if we're gonna get into this later, but for me, it just felt like City's midfield was a lot more composed on the ball in midfield. And I think that kind of then gave a sense of their of, of having a better pass accuracy because every time I felt they picked up the ball, they were a lot more assured on it and they almost had an idea, okay, I know where I'm gonna go with this next pass, or I know I, I'm confident enough to take it and play it and play it around. Whereas on Chelsea, it just to me felt like a lot more frantic and a lot more um quickened in, in in the sense that, oh, you know, like, oh, we got the ball, we need to pass it out. And I guess I guess because City were pressing, there was a lot more passes between the center backs and then to the full backs and kind of coming in and out. So maybe that kind of boosted the the pass accuracy a little bit more. But yeah, from the eye test, City just looked a lot more assured in their possession. And so it just felt like they were doing more with supposedly less. Yeah, and the XG finished even, so 1.4 to both teams. Um, The vast majority of cities comes from those two Bunny Shaw shots. Um, So the goal, that was 0 0.7, and then the one that Hampton saves, that was 0 0.35. So basically, a big chunk of the XG comes sort of in their first 20 minutes, which again, I think tells you something about how City chose to or were able to attack later on in the game. Um, I will say, as we didn't really have any big chances, our biggest one comes from that um, Niskan opportunity, which she probably really should have scored, even though it came out quite fast. Um, one more stat from me this morning. Uh, only Manchester City have had more touches in the opposition box without scoring this season, 52 versus Brighton, than Chelsea did yesterday, which, again, feels like very much sort of a... a a sign of like kind of territorial dominance, even though I don't think Chelsea created clear cut chances. That's why this game's a bit of a strange one. Um, let's take a quick ad break here then, and we will get into uh, the first half in a bit more detail. I think Abdullah, this game felt like it had quite an even start. To be honest, I literally like basically two minutes before Buddy scored. I'm I just had the like day of ultimate drinks yesterday, so I'm just gonna accept it like it was my drinks day. Um, but I was like, oh, we could be in for like a really horrible nil nil draw because it just felt like both teams were like negating each other quite a lot. But then you just get this one moment, and this is the reality of top top games and games against top players. 
yeah, one moment where Jess Park robs Aaron Cuthbert of the ball. And then straight away, Chelsea out of position. She plays Bunny Shaw through. It's great. It's a great ball. Um, Bunny has time to take a couple of touches. I do think Hannah Hampton needs to come off her line sooner there. I thought Hampton had a good game apart from this moment. But like, I think it's it's always hard for goalkeepers in those situations. But you have to close down. You can't allow a striker to take that many touches coming through your box. Um, but then, yeah. A strong finish from Bunny of what you'd expect from someone who's the leading WSL goal scorer right now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And um, I think just Chelsea. I know that it. I know that it happens because uh, transitions are, are that way. But the way when Aaron gets dispossessed, I just felt like Chelsea's back four. Just even if it's just the centre back, everybody just seemed out of position. I mean, yes, I know that there was. I think it was Jess Carter, if I remember correctly. Who was in the one-on-one with um with Bunny Shaw for the goal, but it just felt like everybody was a, a yard too short. When I mean, you know that Bunny is so quick and so powerful, you kind of maybe need to maybe step back for like uh a yard or so. But okay, I, I get the fact that it was Aaron picking up in midfield from from the fullback and then and then kind of turning and trying to go and Jess Park gets her. But I just felt like City were so quick in that transition that. Um, you're right. It comes down to Hannah having to step up and be the last defender. I mean, she's the goalkeeper, but she has to be the last defender and close the gap. But to, like, as soon as she sees Bunny taking, getting, getting on the run, and the ball gonna go towards her, she, she has to come forward. I think later in the game, Hannah did that a lot better, where she came out for balls better. And I think she learned from that. But that initial one was like the big mistake where you're like, if you had stepped up maybe even half a second earlier, there's a very good chance you cover that space that goes. Because it wasn't like, I mean, it was a great goal outside of the outside of the right foot. But like those kind of shots can be slightly predictable in the sense that you're going to shape up for that. And I, I, th- I thought that if she had stepped up maybe a little bit quicker, yeah, you're right. We would have, we would have, um, we would have got it. I agree. And I, I do think she deserves credit for that she did, I think, learn in-game, that that was sort of re- required for her. And look, it's the biggest game that she's ever played for Chelsea. She's played a lot of matches in her career, but she's still a young goalkeeper. And, like, I understand why that, that happens. Um, Yeah, it's just one of those things where you're like, <sighs> like, that, again, is sometimes the difference between winning these kind of games and not. And I think, actually, that kind of, like, individual difference-making is something Chelsea missed quite a lot through throughout this game. I did think, like you said, the midfield felt quite unbalanced. I don't know whether that was because sort of have having LJ there, there was like more work for Aaron and Leupold to to do. I think that was my concern about the natural way these teams set up. That being said, I did think Melly just struggled a bit in general in this game. I don't know if you felt like that. I wasn't. I wasn't really sure why. I mean, maybe it was just one of these things, one of those days. Again, a player who I think's looked really good for us recently, but hasn't played a load of high-profile games for us uh, because of things like, you know, injury and, and absences from the team. But it definitely felt like she was someone who... you I guess, like, throughout this game, I was like, OK, like, who are Chelsea's leaders? Because we don't have Sam, we don't have Millie Bright, and I think lots of teams would really struggle without their captain and vice-captain. You know, I think we're talking about a very different City team if they don't have Alex Greenwood, if they don't have Bunny Shaw. But you then need other players to step up. And I think throughout this game, players like Melanie Leupoltz, players like Guru Wrighton, they were almost the ones who it felt like couldn't find that level that that was needed. Yeah, I agree. And 
I th- again, I thought Loyal's had a good start to the game, and then just every time after that, she would just be unable to. She was just unable to really grab a foothold a foothold in the game. It's like I, I I was telling I was telling Ollie during during at, at the halftime at halftime I was like it felt like Hasegawa and Coombs versus Shaw I mean, against Leupold's and Aaron is fine. I thought that was a decent matchup. I think Chelsea like generally going to win that. Jess Park just felt like an extra two players that was out was just killing us in midfield. Like, and a, Jess Park's a great player. Don't get me wrong, but Jess Park is not a world class player just yet. And she's like, I mean, you were telling me yesterday she was she was so one footed. And when I watched the game, I'm like, yeah, she's so one sided that every single time she just wants to get on her right and then just kind of run forward. She doesn't want to go on her left in any facet. And but knowing that, and so knowing what she wants to do, you should be able to kind of. At, their experience that will be able to take care of that but it was just like Jess Park was running them around like there was no tomorrow and she just felt like the extra press player that we didn't have like that's what Aaron normally does and maybe Shuka could have done the same thing but yeah it was you're right like if you're if you 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 need um your Aaron's your Lloyd Pulses and your and your Guros to kind of step up and even Fran like you know like players who've been there done that needed to come up and I think I mean I guess that's what Emma's been doing this season right she shuts the whole thing about giving Neve and Aaron the captain armband every other game keep switching it just develop that responsibility and someone to step up and to be fair Charles and, and and Aaron have have stepped up in a lot of games this season so far but it's it's these moments and these big games that really, you know, show you how who you are and kind of put you ahead of the pack. And um, I guess there's a bit to learn in terms of experience. And I think when you lose the experience of Sam and you lose the experience of of Millie, um, it's it's a whole different story. Now, I'm not saying that if we if we let's say we had Magda Eriksson still here with Millie out with the same circumstances, that would be any better. But at least then you have that extra bit of captaincy and 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 I guess that's why it makes having an experienced player at center back such an important factor like Natalie Bjorn is great and Jess Carter is good but neither of them are as experienced and as high high class in terms of play style as as Millie Bright and when you just miss that it's such a problem and that's where you see all the top teams when they have at least one major center back suddenly everybody plays well around them. You just look at Kadisha at Leon and look at Kadisha now. Like when she had Wendy Renard next to her, she's like a world-class centre-back. And now she's struggling to get, even get into this team for the last 18 months. Uh, and, and you you know, we this is the kind of game where Kadisha should have, I mean, the old Kadisha chews up, right? Playing against the big top sides and kind of doing it. But, and that experience, right, would have been a huge help, but she's just not been informed. She's just nowhere near the pecking order. So uh, yeah, I think it's, I think it's tough. And, you know, Chelsea probably need to go into games and, and find that gear again. Frank Kirby should should have should be that player for us this season with Sam out, but she's not consistent in, in being able to play 90 minutes a game. And I guess you can see the impact of not playing very regularly in her performance yesterday. Yeah, definitely. I think what I took heart from after the goal at the very least was that we didn't panic because I did feel like that that kind of stuff you're talking about around leadership and stuff we've seen in games that when Chelsea have sort of gone behind especially in bigger games there has been this sort of tendency of like oh my god what do we do from here and I didn't really feel like that there obviously was the second like chance for Bunny but that was well saved and after that it felt like our nerves were settled and I did think we started to play out of their press quite consistently um Fran has that shot which Keating just gets her fingertips to 
great save. I'm not sure if it was go. It, it would have been going in anyway. I was at such a weird angle from it. Um, but that would have been like you'd have been clipping that up as like an amazing team goal because it was really really well worked to to generate that shot. I guess Abdullah, the in hindsight looking at the game as a whole, it, the feeling is there wasn't enough moments like that. Like that was an amazing play, and it showed that we could play through City's press and we could generate shooting opportunities from it. But they were just few and far between. Yeah, for sure. And um and it was it's it's interesting that um it's interesting that we did come back and and and, and again that's that's just Chelsea and Emma Hayes just trying to say, okay, fine, you know, we're behind, but we, we have the game. I mean, I guess the, the biggest thing was is that they scored early enough for us to have the time and the chances to come back into the game and score. And the second half, I think the second I and mean, we'll get into it, but like we did kind of we weren't great, but we kind of mellowed the game out and just kind of, you know, kept it, kept ourselves in it. And then that's when Hannah came in and kind of saved us and kind of kept saving a couple of shots here and there. And we tested um, Kiara Keating a little bit, but I felt like while we didn't, while we got back into the game, it was great. I just feel didn't feel like we generated enough chances to test Kiara Keating. Like a lot of the chances came in the second half towards the end where she kept getting, having to make saves, but other than maybe one shot, I don't actually remember. I don't actually remember Kiara Keating having to make like a, a big save in that first half, and I think that's where the problem was. Is if we had, if we could have tested Kiara Keating and pushed them forward a little bit more, uh, I, I think I think there was a chance. And again, just a missed opportunity in in not pushing Kasparai or Leila Hawabi, um back a little bit more because I felt like those two had much easier games than they would have even anticipated themselves. They would have expected a harder fight. And for them to be able to be practically free for 90 minutes, so to speak, to do whatever they wanted in build-up and in midfield was, for me, like a big question mark. And I think attacking them to create more chances would have been uh, would have been great. But yeah, like again, we did the good job coming back and not feeling like we were out of the game. But I just don't think we created enough chances in that first half to really test. So we almost like you know, quote unquote, wasted, you know, 20 minutes in that first half to be able to really get back at City as soon as we we went down. It was really only in the second half that we really did start well. Yeah, I think on the Kasparai point, it's interesting. I thought she had a good game, but this there is this weird question mark around Guru Wrighton at the moment. And I can't really figure out whether it's playing with a new striker, not really knowing where she is on the pitch, whether it's just like a patch of bad form. What do you think? Yeah, it's it's weird. Like, I mean, with girl, it's 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 inter- it's like ever since she's come back from this injury, or and even I was like generally this season. You know, it just the level of what it was last season just isn't there. Even pre-injury, to to an extent, yes, she was she was contributing, but it was like pre-injury, you were like, yeah, it's fine. Girl's gonna have an impact, even though she's not scoring or assisting as much. She's having an impact. She'll come good. She'll come good has that six, seven game spell where she's out with the ankle injury and she just hasn't been the same. I feel like there's like half a yard of pace that's been lost. And maybe that's just an irritation of the ankle injury still trying to be, you know, be a hundred, hundred percent. Um, but it's kind of worrying that when two of your better players in Fran and girl, like if one of them is out of sorts, you can still rely on the other one to kind of do something about it. But when both are out like this, you're just kind of then thinking about it going, well, then this is a problem because we rely on our wide players 
historically to be able to create chance. Like it's never been the midfield creating chances. It's it's been the wide players kind of coming inside and creating those chances. Whether it's Lauren playing on the wing, Fran playing on the wing in the past, Panela Hada playing on the wing, or Guru playing on like these sets of players have always been the ones to kind of receive, create, and then you know facilitate. Sam, it's never been a you know you, you, we don't have like a a Yui Hasegawa or 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 someone of the sort like Kim Little who's in midfield like pinging passes into into the striker. It's always been the other way around. And when that's your problem, then it's it's there. Um, and this season, I guess to an extent, it's been Johanna Ritzing-Kanarid that's kind of stepped up into that role. But um, it's it's it just, it's not enough. There needs to be at least two players. And, you know, maybe this just kind of cements the fact that Johanna becomes a way more important player for us this season going forward. Because even when she came on, and we'll talk about it in a minute, but... I felt like she had a bit more of an instant impact than any of the other subs that came on because she kept running at the players. And that's when, you know, Wahabi had to sit back a little bit more and kind of defend. So there is that question mark over our wingers are not in form. That's really our main source of creativity. Do we now need to maybe rethink and try to find another way to do this? Or do we just kind of play them into form? Yeah, and there were like calls around me for Yana Ritz and Kanara to come on, which she eventually did, but it did make me laugh. I was like, wow, how have we got to this point where I'm surprised <laughs> that Kanara wasn't playing and now everyone wants her to come on. Um, Okay, let's take another break here and then we'll come back and talk a little bit more about the second half. So I thought we started the second half well, but we didn't really capitalise early on in it. This is sort of when Fran and Lauren switched. So we had LJ running up against... Leila Wahabi, Fran in the middle for the sort of the first 15 minutes. Um, but I think this, again, just sort of encapsulated what we've talked about so far is that for all Chelsea looked fine, had possession, were pinning City back. They just were struggling to get shots off. In that first 15 minutes, Chelsea don't don't get a single shot, um, you know, for all those touches in the box. Like they weren't actually generating good chances with them and I do think City were like very compact defensively but I felt like a big problem with Chelsea was they weren't really able to move City out of position that much and I do think part of that issue was Myra Ramirez I don't mean that in terms of like her quality and how she played I felt like this was a match where you really saw that oh my god I've just realized we've not even spoken about the penalty thing in a minute <laughs> okay let's talk about this and then we'll go back to the penalty thing I just I totally blanked that from my mind yeah, but I think you saw throughout this game, there were just those moments where it felt like she was like a little second off the pace. Um, and kind of as a result, it felt like especially as the game went on, we really struggled to bring her into play as maybe someone who was going to be able to move Alex Greenwood out of the way because talking about the penalty and a number of other moments in the game, she clearly was far physically superior to Alex Greenwood. Like Alex Greenwood couldn't, literally couldn't get anywhere near her yeah yeah exactly and um like whenever Myra did get the ball yeah it's City found it very very difficult to um to kind of get her off the ball and win it they needed to bring in I think I think every time Myra got the ball eventually it was like one on one and it suddenly became a two or three on one to just kind of dispossess Myra because she was so big powerful and she gets it in there but yeah generally getting Ramirez into the game, I think, was, was maybe a little bit difficult. But yeah, you're right. I think the switch between Kirby and LJ, I think, I think it worked well, and it was like great for, it was still great for uh, generating chances and generating um, potentially generating chances and that kind of getting us on the ball a lot faster. I felt like it, um, it really made the 
it really made the game a lot quicker. I felt like we were getting into better positions and there was just a lot more speed when that switch happened because then suddenly LJ could get the ball out on the right, kind of run in. Fran obviously doesn't have the pace now, but she could kind of just hover around that 10 spot. And and suddenly things were things were were going well. And I thought for whatever service Myra got, I thought she did she did a decent job, just kind of keeping it there, especially we're going to go back to the penalty now. But to to be able to to get that ball, hold it, shield it, and then run into the box and then kind of it was like Alex versus Myra was what Jess versus um Bunny was. It was like both center backs struggled to to kind of contain their opposite striker because of their physicality and 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 strength and you you know that you in games like this you kind of need you need your striker to be able to kind of hold their own because of the fact that you are struggling to struggling to to create but yeah no I, I thought it was a good start without actually doing anything yeah and I do think sort of on the physicality thing I think being able to have Ramirez and James and their like physical ability versus a lot of other players is going to be um, a cheat code when Ramirez is is up to speed. Um, okay, let's just quickly touch on the penalty. The penalty was a penalty and it wasn't given. It's annoying, but sometimes it happens. It feels irritating though because I think again, in a game of really fine margins where I don't think City were significantly better than us, or at least it in they were able to be in a situation where they they could defend because they had a lead to defend. It's one of those things that becomes really annoying. Um. I did see some Arsenal fans saying it wasn't a penalty, which I was like, guys, at some point, you, your agenda has to stop agending because that was like the clearest penalty I've seen all season. Yeah, I know. It was crazy. Like the way, so the the pe- the, the tackle happened where I was sitting on the opposite side, but I could see it right in front of me. And I see the ball going, I may have like taken a slight glance to my right for something. And then I looked and Myra's on the floor and I went, the ball's still going straight. But Myra's on the floor, and then Alex is, you know, uh, pointing, gesturing towards her to get up as if she took a dive. And you're like, you didn't get the ball. How oh, else is that she was, going to that go? That was rattling me. That yeah, was I was like, Alex, you the ball's going straight. Myra's on the floor. Any contact that she's going to feel, she's going to go. I mean, this was clear. But like, generally speaking, the player's only going to go down if there's contact, however little it is. And if the ball is going straight. You have no case. Where are you coming from with this? Like, like she knew she was just kind of make had to make it out to be. If the ref is so far, I mean, first of all, the ref's position was horrible. Like, how are you so far behind the play in in relative to where the play was? And forget that. Then why is the lines person not making that call? Like, you should be in line with this play because you got to be what the last man is. How are you not making that call? Like that was. I'm not saying it may have changed the result overall, but Chelsea getting that penalty and potentially scoring it changes the game, like changes the mentality, maybe gives Chelsea a boost. The fans would have gone up another level. That would have added pressure onto, onto City. We could have seen a 2-1, 3-1 eventually. But when you miss out on an opportunity like that because of a, a poor refereeing decision, it's crazy. And again, the ball, it's not like there's a, there's a 50-50 the ball kind of gets half touched while the tackle's going on, and you can maybe in some universe say it's a 50-50. Like, okay, fine, you can give it, not give it. But in this case, this the ball's going straight. There was no touch. So I don't know why it wasn't in the penalties. It was ridiculous. Yeah, I don't 
I don't understand. Like, it, yeah, it basically is as clear as it can be. But yeah, anyway, these things happen. You kind of just have to move on. And as we also said, we also had plenty of time to try and score. And we didn't look very good at doing it. Um, I will say one positive. I don't know if it was a positive, but for a team that has historically really struggled with wide players, and I know some people felt like Ashley Lawrence didn't have a great game getting forward, and I think that's fair, but I did think we really kept Chloe Kelly and Lauren Hemp pretty quiet for long periods of the game, even though they were technically able to sort of play on these transitional moments. I thought generally we actually defended um, those two very, very well. Definitely better than the way I've seen some teams defend them this year and it i it's silly i guess because it's like in in this moment you're obviously just frustrated to lose the game but i do think it's worth thinking about that as a positive that i feel like as a defensive unit we're a lot less vulnerable to those 1v1 moments out wide compared to where we were two or three years ago yeah, I think the quality of our fullbacks has definitely gone up in the last couple of seasons. Like, Neve Charles has developed into a very competent one-on-one -on -one player, both attacking and defending. And whether you're playing with Eve Perisay or you're playing with Ash Lawrence, like, it doesn't matter. Like, both of them are pretty good in terms of their positioning and their one-on-one -on -one ability to be able to defend um, these wider areas. I felt like Hemp, I think, still had a pretty okay game like in terms she got chances i thought i thought the the fact that we kept kelly quieter than she normally would have been i think was the big plus for me and and obviously that goes out to ash lawrence for being able to to to, to um you know to sorry no uh it would have been Neve charles on the other side to be able to keep that quiet um which is really really good um i mean there were only a couple of moments and the thing is even when they did get beat you had jess carter or like natalie bjorn covering them in behind i remember a moment i think it was in the uh it was in the um it was in the second half that uh, I think it, Ash Lawrence had been been beaten by Lauren Hemp in the in a one on one. Jess Carter flies in and she's just going back in front, back and trying to fake and try and find the space. Eventually goes across. Jess had gone in for a block and it was a, a really good moment of like any other defender probably with the amount of times that Hemp was going, she would have deceived her at one point and just kind of run past, but Jess kind of stuck to it. And you know, the concentration level there was, I think, really, really good. And for generally, the fact that Jess hasn't been at her very best this season so far, I, I felt like it was it was a decent defensive performance, all things uh, all things considered, especially having to defend both Bunny Shaw and the uh, and kind of everything that was happening there, but then also having to cover for the for the fullbacks. Yeah, I do. I am still a bit surprised that we've seen Lawrence so much more than Perisay. I don't know whether there's a sense of like trying to play Lawrence into a bit of better form. Because definitely going forward, especially, I feel like we've not seen much, even though I think she has been like fine defensively. And it's funny because I think obviously playing Parasite maybe allows Neve Charles to push up a bit more than, than she was able to. Um, but yeah, I think, I don't know, as I sort of try and pass this brain through my, pass this game through my tired brain, which shows how tired I am, uh, <laughs> I do feel a little bit like just felt like we really missed the killer instinct and I think as the game went on and more and more pressure came in on the city box we needed someone who was going to able to have that cool clutch moment I do think if Sam Kerr plays we probably get a goal just because she's the kind of player who has that in her um I really wish LJ was there but she's just not she's not that player yet in the big games I think and I think again 
you could see her get frustrated at different points. There were moments where I was like, just put a good cross in. Please just put a good cross in. Um, and she was struggling and our corners weren't great as well. Um, I think both attacking the ball in the box and the quality of the corners themselves. I think subs were interesting. Um, maybe we should just touch on them. I thought Cameron has some good moments and some bad moments. Again, some horrible crossing. But she did cause Layla more problems than LJ was doing. I thought it was quite a lot for Aggie to come on in this game. And I didn't really feel like she offered a huge amount. I actually thought the best of the subs when she finally came on was probably Yelena Trankovic. My girl, Yelena did the thing. <laughs> I was waiting for Yelena to come on. I, that's the one thing I can say. I finally got to see Yelena live. So I'm happy. Um, no, you're right. Like, I thought Kendra had a good impact as well. I think for me, she came on, she pushed Layla, like you said, and she gave her a lot more to think about in terms of um, pushing her back and not letting her get forward because there were so many moments where I'm like, well, why is Layla so high? Like, why are we not using the space in behind? And then Canary came on and we really pushed her back. So I think that was really, really good. But you're right. Yelena kind of came on and kind of just was able to dictate the pace of the game. And, and what I think she gave us more than anything else was the ability to control and hold possession and not make it look like we're going to, we need to get rid of it. Because it, to me, it felt like Aaron and Melly were just like, get the ball. We just need to get it out of our feet. We just need to get it out and pass it forward. And I felt there was a lot of that rushing. I know you want to play quick football, but you've got to take a second to think where the next move is going to be, like even half a second. But to me, it felt like take pass without even thinking where the ball is going to go, so to speak. Whereas with Yelena, it felt like she got, because okay, I guess it was also a mixture of City is sitting back a little bit by the time she came on. But the fact that she was able to come on and give us that creativity and give us that passing and give us that movement, I thought was really, really good. And we started generating a lot more chances the minute Yelena came on. Like, I really would have, I really wanted Yelena to come on probably earlier in that second half just to kind of give us that control because you, the more time you give Yelena, at least then she can kind of, I mean, if it takes me back, you remember that game against Arsenal where Yelena's cross into Sam Kerr from deep that gets us that equalizing goal at the Emirates. That's what Yelena could have done in, in this sort of game, right? Like if you have a more time, give her a little bit more space, you know, to a weird extent, I would have just played her as the free roaming 10 and moved LJ to the right, Fran off, put Yelena in, just to kind of give her that, you are the third midfielder here who has the license to kind of create something for us because the winger situation isn't working. Let's go to this plan B, which is Yelena Kankovic playing as that as that playmaker and kind of and kind of going from there. Um, but yeah, no, I thought I thought I thought she was good. You're right about Aggie. I was low-key surprised Aggie coming on as the second change, a first second change. Like I would have okay, I expected. Um, I expected, you know, uh, Kanarit to come on as like a first change. Maybe Kanarit and Kankovic would have been probably like my thinking, okay, if you're going to bring in a couple of players, let's bring those two on first. But I understand the logic behind bringing on Aggie, but she just didn't look comfortable out on the left. Like she's definitely much more of a player that goes on the right, but she didn't look comfortable on the left. And I'm not going to lie to you, other than when she came on, I kind of forgot she was on the pitch. And maybe because she was on the other side, on the opposite side to me, far away. But she kind of just felt like very quiet and subdued within her cameo of like, you know, 20, 30 minutes, probably one of the first few games that I've seen where Aggie didn't really have an, an impact impact. Again, I'll caveat this by saying she's playing on the wrong side that she normally would be playing in and City were a lot, a lot more uh, uh, defensive, but um, still I, I would have expected more, but yeah, I think Kankovic for me was really, really good in the, in the moments that she had. 
Yeah, I felt like the idea was for both Aggie and Canarid to come on and really run at City's fullbacks, but they just really, well, I think Canarid obviously did it better, but um, I think sort of Aggie really struggled to get into the game in that way. Like, it's, it's interesting, I'm just having a look at the different sort of carries from Aggie and Johanna Ritten Canarid, so... Jojo had four progressive carries in the 28 minutes she was on the pitch and, and Aggie had zero. Um, uh, JRK went past one player and Aggie didn't even attempt to take a player on. So I think that kind of shows you that one didn't really work out. And, you know, she's she's a young player. And again, it's a very big game to sort of come on and, and try and contribute with. But I do think even though Guru wasn't having a great game, I would maybe have just stuck with having her on the pitch for, for whatever reason. Is there anything else you want to touch on? before we maybe do a little tidal race chat, a little bomb pastor chat, is there any glaring moments that I've forgotten like I'd managed to about the picture? <laughs> <laughs> no, I I, th- I think I think you've I think you've pretty much uh pretty much uh, covered it. I think I think we've kind of got everything. Do you want to give anyone a player of the match? I mean, can you really with Kankovic? I'll give it to Yelena. I just I'll be biased. I'm gonna give it to Yelena just because the the 20 minute 15 minute cameo was generally better than anyone who started from an attacking point of view so yeah I'll just give it to if if I want to loosely give it to Yelena I'm gonna give it to Jess I thought she had a strong game yeah I thought she she didn't panic when she could have so but yeah it wasn't it's not but plentiful um group of players to choose from i can't lie um okay let's let's do a quick titled race chat it's kind of hard to do this we're recording before arsenal manchester united so those guys are playing this lunchtime but currently as it stands chelsea are still top 34 points um city on the same number we've got the exact same goal difference but we score more goals than them arsenal are currently six points back but if they win they'll be three points back where do you think this kind of leaves chelsea abdullah i think the concern is is feeling like we're still yet to convince in a big game this season. And that feels like it has implications for every competition we're in, all four, because you're going to have to play the big games in them at some point. And, you know, matches like Arsenal coming to the to Stamford Bridge suddenly take on even greater importance than, than they, they would have done. Yeah, for sure. And that's my biggest concern is that we haven't, con- you know, convinced in the bigger games. Like, yes, we are level we are level on points and and just about a head on goal difference but it, it just seems to me now in this moment that city probably of all the top four teams are the most convincing in the big games like they just seem to have it down and you almost can you almost like like when city are playing in arsenal or chelsea or manchester united you're like city have the upper hand right and this is probably the first time in maybe three or four years where i'm like city could go on a run and do this like it's the first time i'm feeling like put gareth taylor aside for a second like it's the first time i feel like their team is so strong and consistent that they can go on a run and do what chelsea usually do in the last couple of seasons and if we don't get our act together and start i mean yes we will probably win every other game right generally speaking but it's so difficult for us to now go into a big game and go and think oh yeah there's a very good chance we're going with like in the last couple of seasons you're like oh going up against arsenal yeah there's a good chance of winning that like three one or go against City. I all win that two nil, right? Like you had the you had the freak results every once in a while, um, but generally you were confident. Now that confidence level, especially after this game, is kind of waning a little bit, right? And now it's tough. So 
I generally think that City probably have the upper hand in terms of the mentality and the confidence going into the rest of the season. And Chelsea having not having Sam Kerr, not having Millie Bright, you know, uh, at least for now, um, with Millie Bright's case, you know, it's it's a little bit of a worry that, you know, where are we going to get these match winners from? Where are we going to get the next level from? But, you know, if there's anybody that's going to figure something out, I guess it's Emma Hayes. So we'll see. Yeah, um, let's talk, let's move smoothly on to the person who might replace Emma Hayes and have to figure it out, and Sonia Bompastor. In a very Abdullah-coded bit of news, Chelsea have reportedly offered a contract to Bompastor to replace Hayes at the end of the season. Nothing has been signed, the process remains ongoing, they're negotiating with Leon, they'll have to pay because she's under contract to 2025, but Leon are like, great, because apparently they wanted to get rid of her anyway. Um, Abdullah, you are probably better placed than anybody to talk about Bompastor. What do you make of Chelsea offering her a contract? Yeah, so I'll, I'll probably just go into what we all were sitting around the table and talking about last night <laughs> <laughs> to, to an extent. Um, okay, so coming from a Leon perspective very quickly, obviously there's a bit of new change in ownership. Michelle Kang's come in and anybody doesn't know, Michelle Kang is the owner of the Washington Spirit in the NWSL and she's kind of now picked up her her stake in, in Leon. Obviously, with every new ownership, there wants to be an assessment and then maybe a, a see about how things wanted to go. And the idea was always that Bompuster would be looked at in the summer and then potentially the, so probably leaning towards being being replaced with, with their own candidate. And with this opportunity coming in, you know, for Leon, it was like, oh, wow, OK, somebody else wants to take her early. This makes our job a lot easier. Right. In terms of in terms of whether we have to make the decision or not, we let her go. From a Chelsea perspective, if I have to give it, it's she's not a bad coach or a manager per se. She's got the man management skills, kind of like I said yesterday, where she's managed Wendy Bernard, Eugenie Lissomer, Jennifer Marajan, you know, Arda Hegerberg. So she's managed big personalities, which fits the Chelsea mold of your Millie Bride, Sam Kerr, et cetera, et cetera. But my only issue is that what we're seeing now with Leon, the way they're playing is they've become very one dimensional and it becomes very predictable. And there's not enough tactical versatility for me in Bompeter's game. Admittedly, I need to watch a little bit more of this season. I just haven't been able to watch as much. But from what I've read, what I've understood and whatever I've seen and people that I've spoken to, it just like, especially the PSG game, that's what we were talking about, right? It was so one dimension that was so like repetitive that it was like center back defensive midfielder winger cross it, i'm simplifying it but it was pretty much that for 90 minutes and it wasn't for an own goal that leon got back in the game and drew it and then kind of went forward after that right and so my concern then becomes if we're gonna move on from emma hayes who i think we can be honest and say is a good tactician but not really a tactician tactician she relies on man management and coaching more than tactics per se, to be able to get through games and win leagues and, and titles and all that. But Bompuster's probably maybe to an extent a similar mold of that, but maybe I think a tad more tactically limited. Maybe it's a case of we haven't seen what Sonia can do with a gr different group of players and maybe then expand her portfolio of how she wants the team to play because the team she has at Leon and the team she has at would have at Chelsea is very, very different. Very different profiles, very different personalities. 
Um, and, you know, if rumors are to go by, there's a couple of players that are probably going to come in on freeze and stuff, then maybe, you know, you, she has a little bit of a piece here and there that she can use. But for me, I'm not 100% sold on the idea of bringing in Sonia to, to Chelsea just because I feel like, first of all, you're the coach after Emma Hayes. You don't want to be that person. You want to be the one after that. So to be able to come and do that, plus with some of the limitations that I feel like Sonia has, um, it would be, you know, would be maybe a little bit something to be iffy about. If she does sign, then probably we'll go into a deep dive and then I can kind of go into the specifics of the tactics and everything. But for now, yeah, my overall arching thing is eh, I'd, I'd err on the side of caution more than saying, yes, let's go and take Sonia Bumper Store. Yeah, I think she's not someone who I would have looked to personally. Um, I definitely would have been more inclined to take a risk on a manager coming from a smaller team and see what they can build. But at the same time, I can understand from a Chelsea perspective why you want someone who you feel can deal with the demands and pressure that come with the job. And, you know, I think arguably Bon Pastor has shown she, she can do that in moments. I think it's very hard to judge in the French League because Lyon are just so much better than every other team. But I would just say, guys, like even if you go and watch the highlights from the recent Lyon game against Paris Saint Germain, it's like really like it's a really poor game. And like I watched, I had to watch it for work on the Sunday night, and then this news came out midweek, and I literally just been like, I'd done a pod for the Athletic, being like, I just don't understand what Lyon like do at the moment because they're so boring. And then this came out, I was like, oh my god. I think my other thing that I find intriguing is she obviously has worked in, a, in an academy um, and Leon have some young players, but I also think given the nature of how, how Chelsea have signed and who they've got available, the fact that players like Mallard is now on loan at Manchester United, the Besho has had like four starts this season, that Sombath doesn't really get starts this season feels like a bit of a concern for me because it's not like there's not been opportunities to play those players you know like Delphine Cascarino's only just come back from injury Wendy Renard's been out like there are opportunities there that I feel like she's tended towards going to more towards older profiles and that's something that I just again I would have like been more inclined to see a coach who's maybe shown that they're willing and able to take chances on and, and develop youth. Like, I think, for example, if you're talking about, and I'm not necessarily saying she would have been a great appointment, but, like, if you're talking about coaches who've worked in academies and been gone on to be head coaches, if you look at what Susanna Backer at Ajax has done with younger players versus what Sonia Bompastor has done, I think you can see that there is a difference in approaches when they become head coaches and, and managing, working in an academy is not, like, you know, it's quite a normal precursor to, like, first team management it's not necessarily the same as like being actually good with with young players so I think that that is also something that for me is a little bit of a concern um I do think you're right to say sort of regardless who comes in it's a bit of like a, a poison chalice but yeah I, I think Bompastor is it's just not like someone who fills me with excitement and and maybe that's what's hard about it is maybe that's why I've lent towards the unknown you know you kind of want someone who you, you feel like you can put your beliefs on and I kind of feel like with Bompastor I, I know what I'm getting and I don't really like it but hey ho I feel like it seems quite inevitable at this point so I'm now I've moved past on Wednesday if we'd done a pod on Wednesday I'd have been howling and now I'm in the acceptance 
stage. Uh, but yeah, we can do something more detailed on her when it gets confirmed. Um, okay, international break coming up. Emma Hayes is dressing off to her other team, which isn't annoying me at all. And then when we come back, we have the craziest March, Abdullah. Uh, talk me through these eight games that we've got coming up in March. Oh my god, like, first of all, we're going to Leicester on the third. Then we've got a casual FA FA Cup semi-final against City again. And then we've got, oh, another quarter-final against Everton. Oh, and then we have Arsenal. Oh, and then we're playing Ajax in the Champions League in a quarter-final. And then the small case of West Ham, that's fine. We can probably figure that out. Oh, and then the second leg against Ajax. Oh, and then just the casual Spurs in the end of March. So, I mean... It's not fun. This is this defines the entirety of Chelsea's season in this month of March. Just just on both the league the, and actually everything, the league, the cups, and the Champions League. So, um, you know, you 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 expect that the Leicester, West Ham, and Spurs game, you would want to pick up three points from them to so get nine points there. Arsenal is going to be a tough game, from what we've seen today. City in the cup. Probably City are favourites there. So can you go and win that game and get to an FA Cup final? You know, and then you have the the quarterfinal against Everton, which again is a quarterfinal, so it's nothing to be sniffed at. And then you've got the small matter of having to focus on the Champions League, right? And then Ajax are, are, are you should beat Ajax, but there's still a team that you need to think about and go, okay, I need we need to beat Ajax. You know, we have to concentrate and do it. So it's a tough run of games, but... Um, and I'm less confident just generally how we are now. But hey, in a couple of weeks' time, we could be looking back at this and going, not too bad. What were we worried about? Yeah, and I guess what we hope is that we come back from the international break and we sort of get some boosts on the pitch, whether that's Macario being able to come into the team. Um, I think if you're looking at sort of wanting some star power, she's someone who, even though I think it's worth being patient with, she's been out for a really long time, but we know that that's something she's got in the her locker Maybe potentially seeing Millie Bright at some point after the international break. I think that would be a real boost just mentally on the pitch, everything. Um, and also hoping things click a bit more with, with Myra Ramirez because I think what we've seen so far is that when it does click, it's going to be really, really good. Um, and I feel very confident about that still. Uh, so hopefully maybe that opportunity to have a bit more time on the training pitch. Obviously, she's not going away um whatever that looks like for her um could be exciting to see so that wraps us up um i hope everyone is doing okay it's very annoying to lose i will say incredibly that is the first time i've ever seen chelsea lose at king's meadow and i must have gone to 50 plus games there um so that's something at least there's a first time for everything amazingly Abdullah's been to one game there and seen them lose. I'm that's like the only thing I'm finding really, really funny, actually. Is I'm so like, how? Like, I, I, I could have picked any game. I picked the nice game and we've lost. Like, seriously, it's like it's never gonna go away. This I, I could be out of football in like a year or two years, and I will still be known as remember that one time you went to that game, they lost after like three. And then they like imagine they don't lose for another three years. Like <laughs> it's all I'll be like, great, fantastic. In the end, we all know that it wasn't me who was the jinx and my tweeting. It was Abdullah. So there we go. Um, We will be back with you very soon. But as always, guys, thank you for listening. And until we see you again, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high. (laughs)